2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a summer-like October 3rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Chipotle Mexican Grill, testing a robot that can assemble burrito bowls and salads. We'll dig into that during our next segment. But right now, Beyoncé's Renaissance concert tour film is coming to theaters in December following the highly anticipated arrival this month of the Taylor Swift Eras tour movie. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line reminding you to bring your business home is Paul Daguerrebedian, Senior Media Analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in Los Angeles. Paul, thank you for joining us today and it seems like events are going to move the needle, the needle at the movie theater in this era where a movie can quickly segue to streaming after just a couple of weeks in the multiplex.
3: Yeah, that's true, Rob. And I think that uh, for movie theaters, uh, first of all, having Taylor Swift announce her concert movie was music to the ears of theater owners who need content. They need movies in their theaters, but also having what we call alternative content. And this is really a concert film, but it's still not a traditional narrative film, but this is truly unique. There are very few stars other than now Beyonce who could pull off this type of thing. And I think we'll both wind up with blockbuster box office numbers. In movie theaters, it's really amazing.
2: I mean, the the the, the star power of Taylor Swift, which is uh, established, <laughs> she seems to be breaking new records or setting new marks every week. Taylor Swift is uh, just showing up uh, at a at a Kansas City Chiefs Jets game was enough to make Sunday Night Football the biggest Sunday Night TV show since the Super Bowl. So that's what we're talking about here. Uh, uh, the the movie uh, coming out on October thirteenth, her Eras uh, concert film was such a a threat they moved the exorcist off of that date uh to stay away from taylor swift she scared away the she scared the devil paul
3: she did scare the devil rob and and you know the devil was set to go friday the 13th which would have been a perfect day for the exorcist but you know you got to get out of the way of taylor swift because the potential box i mean that's going to take all the oxygen out of the room when that movie opens she has encouraged her fans to, like, dance in the aisles and sing. So it's going to be a very different sort of interactive experience. And then Beyonce now coming on the heels of this. I mean, this is really cool. That that concert film, the Renaissance Tour film, opens on December 1st. So, again, giving a little bit of a turbocharged boost to the box office that we didn't even know about in late August. I mean, these are the quick turnaround on these movies makes it even more exciting. On a big movie, you might have a trailer or a teaser trailer or promotional materials a year in advance of it, its release, and you have to wait and wait and wait for that movie. With these, they announced them like you know, 30 days, 45 days later, you're going to be able to see them. And the pre-sales for the eras who are off the charts, uh, reportedly over $65 million in pre-sales, for the theatrical uh, presentation. And then Beyonce, I think, is one of the rare stars as well that could pull this off. Lest anyone thinks this is would be easily replicable, I don't think it is. Uh, I think we'll see more concert films But you got to have stars of this magnitude to move the needle this much.
2: And very quickly, Paul, it seems like the secret sauce in 2023 for a movie to be an absolute monster is it needs to be an experience. Barbie, you have to wear pink and take pictures outside the theater. Taylor Swift, they're all going to be making the friendship bracelets and replicating that concert vibe. Lots of people wearing their silver outfits to the Beyonce uh, uh, movie in December. And then Oppenheimer, of course, you had to see it on the big screen because the effects were that just amazing you had to see it in imax the way it was meant to be seen and that seems to be the unlocking the key this year is it can't just be going to see a movie
3: that's a great point the experiential part of that where people are dressing up there it's the movie theater has become a hub of influence where people are taking pictures of themselves they're getting they're going in groups i mean again this is so great for movie theaters is the only way you get that cultural resonance like a tuning fork to the zeitgeist is to have this happen in a movie theater barbenheimer would not have been a phenomenon had it not occurred and started at the movie theater level so this is great news again for a business that during the pandemic the theater business was written off and now it's back In a big way.
2: Paul DeGarabedian, thanks for joining us today. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Chipotle Mexican Grill is testing an automation system for burrito bowls and salads. Let's learn more from RJ Hottaby, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI, based in Chicago. RJ, thank you for joining us today. It seems like Chippy. The, uh, the chip-making Chipotle robot has been doing a very good job, and it's been doing such a good job it got promoted to, uh, to making uh, burritos and salads.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one way of looking at it, Rob. Uh, we definitely have seen more and more restaurant operators look at automation and robotics platforms as a way to streamlining and making the uh, the lines go faster. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, as part of that, making their, their restaurants more efficient. Uh, some of that will be reallocating labor costs and stuff like that. But um, generally speaking, when uh, you know, for the companies that have had these in place for for a longer period of time, we do actually see uh, you know higher visitation trends and the uh, ability to get through the lines quicker. And so I think. This is just going to continue more and more, particularly for things that can be automated. You know, the assembly line products, like a burrito bowl or salad, I mean, it's a technology that Sweet Green has been testing in Naperville as well. Um, so, I think we're going to continue to see uh, more and more of, of a push to robotics and automation in this industry.
2: We're talking to R.J. Hattavy of Placer AI in Chicago. This is uh, my own observations, but going to the uh, local Chipotle, I have noticed that uh, online ordering has become a larger and larger component of their business, and my most recent trip there, they now have their own section behind the counter devoted entirely to online orders. The, the, it's the same thing you get when you go into a Chipotle, but it's in, entirely for people who who ordered online, and it seems like that is where the burrito-making robot is going to be deployed.
0: And that's exactly right. It's going to be a part of the second make line, and that was one of the uh, one of the real innovations that Chipotle brought to the market. It kind of pioneered the quote unquote fast casual market. This idea that you'd have a second make line that was initially intended for just you know uh, peak hours when there's a lot of people coming through the door, but now have been repurposed for digital orders. And you know, with digital orders, you know, representing anywhere between twenty and seventy percent of orders for a lot of these chains, uh, it makes sense to have a central a separate area, either a second make line or, in the cases of a Sweet Green and others. Where you have a, a fully standalone location that is dedicated to uh, to make to take out orders as well uh, or delivery orders, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. And you know, you don't want to have your uh, your in store customers competing with digital orders. That I think is still something they're you know streamlining a bit too. But that's something that I think having a second second make line and something where they can uh, address this. Uh, These the incremental demand with these uh, these digital orders, I think, is important as we kind of look the restaurant of the future here.
2: Speaking of the restaurant of the future, is this the first step in the evolution of a fast casual restaurant becoming an online order? only space a digital hub there's no place to sit down you just simply uh, make your you you set your order online you go and pick it up or someone picks it up for you and then you enjoy it at your office or the comfort of your own home and that the uh, the, the fast casual restaurant where you sit down and uh, and and have your meal there is going away
0: uh, it's not really the first. I mean, we've had some players that have tried this, but the, the problem with these technologies is um, it's hard to scale. Um, you know, it's hard to make sure that the ordering system works hand-in-hand with the, uh, the, main, the the production assembly line and the restaurant. And, you know, inevitably there's something that goes wrong with the uh, the technology and that can stop things. Uh, so I think we're still kind of in that phase. I think this is kind of the next push in, in the latest of this uh, evolution of, in the restaurant space. I think we'll continue to see more and more. And I think every way that we see every new uh, you know, at least national chain that starts to play this technology and really uh, refines it, I think we get closer and closer to that restaurant in the future where it is completely mobile order, um, you know, produced by a robot, and uh, potentially delivered by an automated automated vehicle in the future. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this develops. I, I think each one of these things kind of takes time to coordinate and uh, to scale, but I think we're seeing a lot of uh, interesting innovation in this category.
2: R.J. Hadevi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer A.I in Chicago. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's travel Tuesday and Chicago-based United Airlines is responding to demand by adding more jets to its operations. Let's get an update from Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University based in Chicago. Joe, thank you for joining us today and this is a pretty bold bet on the part of United about the future of air travel.
4: Well, it certainly is. I mean, United placed a big order uh, less than a year ago. Now we have a, a new order that's uh, uh, raising some eyebrows on Wall Street. It's uh, 5787 Dreamliners. They're pretty big planes. And then 60 of the A321 narrowbodies, which is, uh, you know, competitive with the 737 MAX. So they're a, uh, they're coming out of the gates pretty optimistic here.
2: So the the, the Dreamliners uh, are in response to the uh, the the very high demand for international travel, especially to Europe and Asia, which hasn't really uh, let up in the year and a half since uh, most of the COVID-related travel restrictions were uh, lifted. Uh, in this scenario, does this add to the current fleet, or are some older jets will they be uh, sent to the to the boneyard in Arizona?
4: Well, they are going to retire some planes, but they do expect you know whopping uh, 700 planes to be delivered by roughly by 2032, and that's just a, a massive number. And uh, so they're planning to grow. And I think what uh, what we're seeing here is that, uh, as you say, a lot of international routes. Those so 787s are really good for that because they're not so big. They're not as big as the 777s. They could do more niche routes. And there's so much domestic demand, particularly for leisure, that it just really plays into those uh, those leisure markets with those a 321s
2: And then, what does this mean for Boeing? I mean, it's it's not we have a, just a little more time to call it Chicago-based Boeing before they decamp for Washington, their headquarters at the very least. Uh, but the company has taken its lumps recently, especially on the uh, domestic on the uh, commercial travel side of the equation. So this has got to be a big boost for them as well.
4: It is, and uh, I think we see the 737 MAX, they met their production goal. Of course, we had the grounding of those planes after those two terrible accidents. And the 787, the Dreamliners, had its share of technical problems. So they managed to plow through all that, which is really good. The big 747s are no longer in production. So these mid-range, mid-size, I should say, planes are selling pretty well. Uh, but, boy, they have some catch-up to do. There's big backlogs in delivery because of all the problems with those two planes. But, but finally, they're out of the woods.
2: And uh, this is just the aviation geek in me, Joe. But uh, I do want to ask you very quickly, some of these uh, 787s, if everything goes United's way, uh, could be replaced by that uh, supersonic transport that's currently on the drawing board.
4: That's right. There's several companies pursuing that. You know, since the Concorde was grounded years ago, there's been no discernible increase in speed for airplanes. In fact, some of the new models are just a slightly slower than the old ones, the twin jets. So we do think these supersonics are going to have a niche. And of course, uh, transatlantic and transpacific is where the real action is. But a lot of us are saying, we'll see when we believe it. But but there's some technological excitement
2: there. Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead and Travel Tuesday, how a potential government shutdown could impact Thanksgiving. Tra- Why? 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 If you Why? have T-Mobile
1: 5G home Internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your Internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
2: Travel. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Residents of a Chicago neighborhood react to a new shelter for migrants. Hunter Biden enters a plea in his drugs and weapons case. Travel Tuesday we could face another government shutdown just in time for Thanksgiving trips, and there's a reason you may want to not to rush to pay off your mortgage. WBBM Business. The markets are lower. The Dow is down 300 points. The Nasdaq is down 235. The S&P 500 is down 55. 84 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies going up to around 90 today. It's 1231 topping our news at the half hour. Another migrant shelter is supposed to open in Chicago today. WBBM's Nancy Hardy reports residents of the 25th Ward discussed it at a meeting last night.
0: With five more buses arriving yesterday alone, the warehouse near Cermak and Halstead could quickly jump from hosting 400 families to the 1,000 the city has estimated it can house there. CBS2 reports Deputy Mayor of Immigrant, Migrant and Refugee Rights Beatriz Ponce de Leon pointed out to the crowd at the ward meeting in Pilsen how the rest
4: of the country is watching. People are looking to Chicago to see if we're going to be able to handle this, if we really are going to be stand, able to stand firm in being a welcoming city. Several
0: people at the meeting Express concern about how the city will help people already living here. Well, one speaker said it shouldn't be an either-or situation. Nancy Hardy, News Radio 105.9 WBBM.
2: Hunter Biden entered a not guilty plea in a Delaware courtroom today on federal charges that he lied about his drug use and an application to buy a gun. CBS News senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge was there.
4: As Hunter Biden entered the courtroom on the second floor, he passed by me. I was no more than about five feet away and there was a sense of nervous energy, a, a nervous smile, a sense of real apprehension as we headed into the proceeding. It lasted about 20 minutes.
2: A plea deal with federal prosecutors in the case fell through earlier this year. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red today. Joining us in the on the Village of Bedford Park business line reminding you to bring your business home is Matt Shapiro, president MWS Capital based in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Markets, uh, the sell-off is uh, pretty consistent today. And is this just a sign that investors are uh, still beating a path from stocks to bonds?
5: Well, uh, beating a path uh, really uh, out of all investments, stocks and bonds. The story, of course, uh, when we were on last a couple weeks ago, you know, the relentless uh, correction that we've had almost probably reaching a technical point here at 4200 and change in the S&P 500 marking about a 10% correction from the highs but it's really that rate rash treasury yields at 4.75 just relentlessly rising we think technically they should pull back on some better inflation and jobs reports news potentially on Friday but for now, investors are just sort of waiting to see. No one wants to step in right now.
2: Now, the last couple of weeks, uh, there have been uh, the, the, the news coming out about the fight against inflation and the the future trajectory of interest rates uh, all seemed uh, rather dovish. Lots of signs that uh, inflation was certainly cooling, that we were on the right path. But the last couple of days or so, and I'm guessing the Jolts report was part of this, uh, this bout of anxiety, it seems that... Uh, uh, it, everyone's worried about higher for longer and maybe more interest rate hikes to come.
5: I agree with you uh, uh, You know about the former, the news on inflation has been great. The news on corporate earnings has been really good, but we've had this relentless technical pullback and it's kind of one of the features of, I think markets over the last few years since the pandemic is going all the way to one side of the ship Then all the way back to the other. About this time, rates peaked out and the market bottomed out, especially for those high-flying tech stocks. Then, of course, we had the tremendous recovery. But, of course, over the last two months, despite good inflation news, inflation on a core basis – Uh, has only ran about two and a half percent or so over the last four or five months so that is good news so investors are just exasperated with the 10-year yield being 475 certainly the fed has not been helpful has not been friendly wants to see yields higher um, but have they gone too far
2: some of the uh, losers today, uh, Carnival Cruises, they're down by 6.3%. Airbnb down by more than 5%. Here's one that really jumps out at me, and that is McCormick & Company, uh, the spice manufacturer, down 9% today. Now, uh, Matt, chili season is around the corner, and I need to get more paprika. Will that make a difference? <laughs> I think
5: it will. Uh, one One thing I want to point out is you've pointed out three smaller category stocks not Tesla, not Amazon, not the big, large-cap stocks. Smaller companies now in the 5 to 10 to 20, 25 billion, you know, big companies, but not big market capitalization, can really get pushed around. So this is where a lot of the value is. If you like a company like McCormick, if you like cruises like Royal Caribbean is one that we like. We like um, the bonds and that that pay 7.5%. Today is a day to take a look at both bonds and stocks across the board.
2: Matt Shapiro, president, MWS Capital in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, a look at the Thanksgiving travel season and a potential problem with it. Money talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and the temporary funding bill approved by Congress means another government shutdown looms right before Thanksgiving. Let's discuss this year's holiday rush and potential issues with Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com com based in new york joe thanks for joining us today and on the uh, list of nightmare scenarios for airlines airports and travelers i'm guessing at the top of the list would be a blizzard at a major hub potentially chicago or on the east coast shutting everything down during a a busy travel period but uh, the other one must be uh, a government shutdown resulting in air traffic controllers and TSA agents not getting paychecks as the Thanksgiving rush gets underway.
6: Um, You know, they couldn't have made it worse if they tried, Rob. I'm sure that no one, when they were looking at kicking the can 45 days down the road, said, oh, look at that, November 17th is the day the Thanksgiving rush starts for travel. But that is exactly what they did. The next, I mean, assuming this chaos with the speakership gets solved before then, they they kick the shutdown right to when the Thanksgiving period starts, with TSA agents and customs agents and air traffic controllers not getting paid, it would be calam- it would be calamity. I mean, I, I can't imagine what what would happen. We had this six years ago over Christmas, but Christmas during a shutdown is different than Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is unique. Everybody needs to be somewhere on exactly the same day. That's what makes Thanksgiving such a tough travel period.
2: Last year, more than 22.1 million people passed through airport checkpoints on the 10 days between Friday, November 18th and Sunday, November 22nd of 2022, and the analysts suspect more than 23 million people uh, plan to be in the air uh, during Thanksgiving week of this year. What is this going to mean for travelers? I mean, outside of just the the calamitous... Uh, words like calamitous. What is that going to mean for a traveler if you're going there and you have a TSA agent who is kind of miffed that he or she is not going to draw a paycheck for the foreseeable future?
6: Well, let me let me put it to you in maybe the, the starkest terms possible. The last shutdown six years ago only ended after 36 days when the air traffic controllers union finally said, well, we're not showing up. And then within a day that the shutdown was over. But again, it lasted 36 days. If we have a shutdown over Thanksgiving, you'll have slower TSA checkpoint lines because these guys and women are not going to work 120% to get you through. They're not being paid. You can understand that. You're going to have real backups at the customs barriers to get back into the country. And most significant of all, in my opinion, is what the FAA will have to do to the flight flow. They'll have to slow down the flights Because it's impossible to imagine every air traffic controller will show up when they're not being paid, on top of the fact there are 1,200 fewer of them now than at the time of the last shutdown. So I I hear it's 40 minutes on the Eisenhower to get to to O'Hare that would be the happiest part of your travel if you were traveling on Thanksgiving. A 40 or 50 minute drive on 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 a highway to get to O'Hare cuz then it starts to get worse.
2: Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of joesentme.com on the newsline right now. So if you are a if you haven't booked that Thanksgiving flight just yet, maybe you're on the fence and it is a Tuesday after all, maybe you're going to book that flight tonight because uh, you think this is the low fare day. Um, do you potentially roll the dice on not going or not flying, just saying, look, you know, maybe uh, if you factor in the travel time, that maybe it makes a lot more sense or it's even more competitive to drive if you factor in all of these airline delays that may happen as the result of a government shutdown.
6: You know, I'm pretty big on telling people not to travel when things get difficult. But this is Thanksgiving is so unique. It is so family oriented. Uh, it is so of-the-day oriented. It's hard to tell people don't go celebrate with your families. It's sometimes the only time of the year when a family gets together. But, boy, if you could drive, I would drive. And if you could defer your travel and not go see, see family or friends some other time, I wouldn't take the risk of traveling uh, over this holiday because it's going be, to be chaotic. The good news is chaos. We might have 25 million people flying. This, this year, as opposed to that 21 last year. But with a, with a possible government shutdown, you will be miserable. Your family will be miserable trying to figure out when and if you can make it or whether they should come pick you up. So if you could possibly defer, that would be the best bet, in my opinion.
2: Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Some homeowners are looking to be aggressive and hurry to pay off their mortgage. However, that may not always be the best financial strategy. Let's get some insight from Mark Holbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thank you for joining us today. In the before time, that is the time before COVID, the conventional wisdom was if you wanted, if you had a little extra money burning a hole in your pocket, maybe you uh, double pay your mortgage. So you pay off your house faster. You're not uh, wasting money on interest rates uh, any longer. And uh, the long term play is that you end up uh, saving more money and making more money as a result. But now we live in this higher interest rate environment, and that kind of throws that conventional wisdom on its head.
7: Well, that's right. It turns out that uh, those who did refinance and got a lower rate are looking very pretty right now. In fact, there's a term that's uh, emerged uh, in some financial planning circles where they call it uh, uh, mortgage envy, I think is how they call it. But basically, if you've gotten one of those low mortgage interest rates, you know, thank your lucky stars. People are always playing this refinance game, which is just another way of betting on the direction of interest rates. And a lot of people have got that bet wrong. So what is happening now is some people may decide to keep that lower mortgage and put any extra money they have into a higher rate CD or high yield bonds and that sort of thing as a way of getting that extra interest rate and then uh, saving up more money over the long term.
2: It's, it's been a long time since we have had interest rates this high, and you do look at mortgage rates in the 7% range or the prime rates in the 8% range, and you say, boy, those things are really going to bite. But there are some ways you can make it work for you, and CDs are one such vehicle.
7: Well, that's right. Now, the, the it's always a question of what kind of a bet you want to make. With a CD, you're going to lock your money up uh, for the length of time of whatever the CD's maturity is. But you do get that guaranteed rate. With a bond, the price of the bond will fluctuate every day according to how interest rates move in the intervening period of time. If you do hold it to maturity, you'll get the interest rate you get when you went ahead and bought the bond. But it turns out that a lot of people are going with those bonds that fluctuate daily. And we have to remember that that's a bet that often goes wrong. A lot of people six months ago said interest rates couldn't keep going higher, and here we are. And a lot of people, even more than then, are saying the same thing now, and they may be right.
6: But, of course, if you're wrong, you're going to end up losing a lot of money.
2: And then very quickly, Mark, you know, what's the difference between uh, a CD outside of locking your money in uh, versus uh, just a high-yield savings account?
7: Well, uh, well, that's a very good question. It Really, a lot depends on whether you have uh, less than 250000 which most of us do, in which case you get FDIC insurance.
2: Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the show, just go to our stream and skip back to the time you want. There's also a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app.